Good morning and welcome to worship. I invite you to stand if you'd like to, and let's go to the Lord in prayer to open it up this morning. God, I thank you for this day. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to come into this place and to fellowship together, um, to lift up your name today, and we want to do that. God, help us to focus on you and who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me praising your name no matter what comes. Cause I know where I'd be without your mercy. So I keep praising your name at the top of my lungs. I can't count the times I've called you. Some broken night. You showed up and patched me up like you do every time. I get amnesia. I forget that you keep coming around. Ain't no way you'll ever let me down. Good God Almighty, I hope you find me. Praising your name. Cause I know where I'd be without your mercy. So I keep praising your name at the top of my lungs. Tell me, is he good? Tell me, is he God? He is good God Almighty. Say your love goes on forever, that mercy never stops. So why would I assume you'd be somebody that you're like the sun in the morning? You know you're gonna be there every day. So what on earth could make me be okay? Good God Almighty, I hope you find me. Is he God? He's God. He is good God Almighty. Praise him in the morning, praise him in the noontime, praise him when the sun goes down. Love him in the morning, love him in the noontime, love him when the sun goes down. Good God Almighty. I know where I'd be without your mercy. So I keep praising your name at the top of my lungs. Tell me, is he good? Tell me, is he God? He is good God Almighty. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down, 
Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. Our scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. starts changing oh I'm gonna worship till I mean every word cause the way I feel and the will I'm facing doesn't change who you are or what you deserve I give you my worship you still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song. I pour out your praises and blessing and breaking. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. I'll cry worthy. You 
Of angels above, 
singing as one hallelujah holy holy god almighty the great i am who is worthy none beside God Almighty, the great I am. I want to be near, near to your heart, loving the world and the
Glad you're here. Would you affirm God's goodness with me? God is good? All the time? All the time? Good. Well, uh, next week we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper, so I hope you'll be here to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us on Sunday morning. I know it's a, a holiday weekend, but we'll, we'll gather and worship the Lord and, and celebrate communion next Sunday. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Malachi chapter 1? Malachi chapter 1. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. So if you're trying to find that, if you can find Matthew in your New Testament, just go a, a few pages earlier and you can find Malachi if you're using a hard copy. If you're using the Bible on your phone, you'll, you'll find it pretty easy. As we get ready to do that, let's pray that God speaks to our hearts. Father God, we pray two simple requests, Lord. Speak to each of our hearts today through the reading and preaching of your word, Lord. Also speak through me to your people. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and God's people agreed. Amen. Hey, thanks for praying with me. Uh, this is the word of the Lord from Malachi. Uh, would you stand with me? We'll honor our Lord by reading his word together. Uh, as we look at Malachi, kind of re- remember we're, you know, we're stepping back 2,500 years in history and God speaking to his, his people of that day it would be the, the Jewish people. And he talks, about, talks to them about uh, their worship and their worship in the temple and how they, they just gone astray from God. And that was very, um, you know, very seen, very evident in their, in their worship. And so let's, let's look at this in, with an eye towards our worship and our honoring of God. So the, the Lord is speaking. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where's the honor due me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Yeah, try offering them to your governor. Uh, would he be pleased with you? Uh, would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you should shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I'll accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations. From the rising to the setting of the sun, in every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Uh, but if you profane it by saying the Lord's table, it is defiled, or if it's food, it is contemptible, and you say, what a burden, and you sniff contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured or crippled or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. And cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I'm a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Yeah, this is the word of the Lord for us. Uh, please be seated. Uh, I, I'm indebted to Jim Nicodem. He's a uh, uh, he had some really great insights in this passage, and I'm indebted to him for the insights in the passage that I incorporate into the message today. And as we, as we look at this message, 
what we want to ask today is, how should we honor God? You know, as, as individual Christians who, who follow Christ, how should each of us honor God? And if we, we look in a broader sense, as, as we come as, as God's people to, to worship Him and to serve Him, and, and we, you know, come as a, as, a, as a corporate body, how do we honor God? And as we look back into the Old Testament, we see the, the Old Testament promises said a great deal on how we should honor God. And the, the prophet's messages, many times they're, they're a bit difficult to understand because they ask us to drop back into history, you know, thousands of years and to, and to think about, you know, think about concepts and practices that were, that were very different than, than, than we practice today. And so, because, because the messages are difficult to understand, many times we miss what they have to say to us. And then the, the, the prophet's messages, they can be really difficult to hear because when they preach so often, they come at us and hit us with the sledgehammer in their sermons. They're, it's tough, hard preaching from the prophets. And sometimes it's good for us to hear a, a tough word or a direct word. Malachi, he's the, the last of the Old Testament prophets. And because of that, even though his book is little, I, I believe it's very important. His, his book actually links the Old and New Testaments together. And some of his preaching points forward to John the Baptist ushering in Jesus. And some of his preaching you know, points, points to Jesus Christ. And Malachi has this, this overall message in this, in this short book of honoring God, that as, as Christian people, as God's people, uh, we owe God honor. And there's, there's this overall message of Malachi that because God is a great and awesome God, God deserves our best. And nothing less than our best is, is good enough for God. You know, God is worthy of our best. And the book starts out with, in, in ch- chapter 1, uh, verse, verses 1 and 2, telling us this is a word from the Lord. In verse 2, God is saying, I love you. And as Christians, think about how much God loves us. You know, God loves us enough that he, he sent his very best to us. He gave his very best to us in Jesus. And he only sent Jesus to, to live an amazing life. He sent Jesus ultimately to die for you and me, to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins and to be raised from the dead. And if God would give his very best to us, to give us his, his only son, in turn, we, we owe our very best to him. And one way we give our, our very best to God is by giving him our honor. And let me set the, the historical backdrop to the message to help us understand this passage. You know, Malachi comes on the scene about... about 2,500 years ago, you know, more than 400 years before Jesus. He's, he's the final Old Testament prophet. And before him, Ezra and Nehemiah were on the, on, on the scene. They, they, they have, you know, books named after them in the Old Testament too. And, and Ezra and Nehemiah, they, they led these great spiritual revivals for God's people. And, you know, God's people had drifted away from him. They led the revivals. God's people are, are going deep with him again. And now that Ezra and Nehemiah uh, are gone, um, the hearts of God's people have really cooled towards him again. The people had grown distant from him. And the people, even though they came to worship, they were just kind of going through, through the motions half-heartedly. And so Malachi comes on the scene, you know, urging revival once again. And he particularly speaks about our need to honor him, our need to draw close to him in, in worship. 
In the book of Malachi, as, as you see in our, in our passage today, it, it's a discussion. It's, it's actually a seven-part discussion. You know, God will speak, and then God's people in turn answer him, and, and how they usually answer God is with a, with a cynical question. And, you know, and when God hears the cynical question, he begins to, to make his case on how we can draw close to him again. And we know as we, we look at the book, it, it's talking about temple worship 2,500 years ago in the Jewish temple. So, you know, we know the, the historical context is very different than coming as, as Christians to worship the Lord today. And even though the historical context is different, you know, the, the spiritual principles, the, the Word of God is living and active. It, it applies to us today. And so let's, let, let's dig deep for the, the next 20 minutes or so and, and see what God has to say to us. And, and the message, uh, as I've outlined it, it, it comes into, it falls into three points, a one, two, and three. And then, you know, point one actually has three sub points. So point one's the big one. It has an, you know, an ABC a- after that. So as we look at the first point, let's, let's focus on, uh, we, we honor God by giving him our best. And what, is, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to God to, to give him our very best? And so look at verse 6. God tells us how, how we should honor him. He says that a son honors his father. Uh, uh, a servant honors his master. If I'm a father, where's the honor due me? If I'm a, a master, a lord, where's the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. Then he particularly addresses the, the religious leaders. He says, it is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? And so as we look at this as Christians today, we know God is our Heavenly Father. We know God is our Lord. And as our Heavenly Father and our Lord, God's worthy of our honor. And I know that I have an enjoyment of, of digging deep into the Old and New Testament scriptures. And sometimes there's a, there's a deeper insight to be found if we, if we study some of the words in, the, in, their original, in their original languages. Our, you know, our Old Testaments were written in Hebrew and our New Testaments were written in Greek. And I don't intend to give you know, a Hebrew lesson this morning, but I think it helps us understand the, the word honor if we look back to how the, the Old Testament people understood it and how what God was saying when he said to honor me here. The, the, the Old Testament word for honor actually to me, means to be heavy, to be weighty, to, mean, to be huge, to be immense, to, to be awesome. And so when we, when we honor someone, we, we treat them as a, you know, as a, as a heavyweight. We, we treat them as, as people who are important. We treat them as, as people who have you know, great significance to us. People have authority over us. And, and if we're speaking about giving God honor, then you know, we're speaking of God as being an, an, an all-encompassing God, the God of the universe. And so when, when we treat a person with honor, you know, we, we're saying, you know, you're important to me, or you might have, you know, authority over me, like we might do with a, you know, with a president, or with a, with a teacher, or a principal, or with a doctor, or, or with a church leader. But we, we want to bring that way up when we speak about honoring God, because, you know, God's, you know, the ultimate heavyweight. God's worthy of all our honor, and so we want to honor God with the honor that's due Him. And when we speak about honoring God, it's this word honor is connected with the, with the, with the Hebrew word, the Old Testament word for glory. And, and for, when we think of glory, 
you know, I, I think of our great nation. You know, old glory is our, is our you know, it's a way of describing the American flag at one time. But when, when we speak of the glory of God in the scriptures, the, the glory of God is actually God's presence. And when he would reveal himself to his people, when he makes himself real to us, you know, he shows us his glory. And, and God's glory is who God is as God. You know, God is God and there's no one else like God. You know, God is greater than the greatest. God is higher than the highest. And, you know, God's God and we're not. <laughs> you know, God's love and he's grace and he's forgiveness. And, and God's our creator. He's our, he's our savior. And God's the one who, who created the universe and he just makes the universe run every day by the power of his word. And so God's worthy of our worship and worthy of our love and worthy of our honor. And ultimately, God's worthy of our whole lives with, our, with all of our commitment. And so how do we honor God as, as his family today? You know, we honor God when we worship him, when we focus all our energy on him in worship. We, we honor God when we praise him. You know, we honor God when we, when we love God with all our hearts. We, we honor God when we obey him. We honor God when we find ways to give him glory. Look with me at uh, verse, verse 6 again. You know, there's, you know, the conversation between God and his people. In verse 6, God says, as, to us or to his people, he says, you failed to honor me. Instead of honor, God says, you've shown contempt for my name. And, and God's people ask, you know, how have we done that? How have we shown contempt for your name? And, and so God tells us how you know, people back in Malachi's day uh, showed contempt for God's name. And so, you know, in the Old Testament days, you know, people worshiped in the temple and they weren't in, in the temple every week like we are. They, they'd be in the synagogues every week, but there was just one temple. So they would go to the temple just, you know, four times a year typically. And they would bring sacrifices to God as gifts to God and as, and as, and as, and as sacrifices for their sins. And so we see what they did here. You know, God says here in verse 7, you, you place defiled food on my altar. Uh, but you ask, you know, how have we defiled you? And God says, by saying the Lord's table is contemptible. And when you bring blind animals for sacrifices, is that not wrong? When you bring a, a, a diseased animal or a crippled animal, is that wrong? Wrong. You know, try offering them to your governor. And would he accept them, says the Lord Almighty. We honor God by putting him first in our life. We honor God by making sure he's first in every area of our life. And so, you know, the Old Testament laws commanded God's Old Testament people to, to bring sacrifices from their flocks and their herds. They, they were an agricultural people. Most of us are not, but that's, that's how they worship back then. And when God told them to bring animal sacrifices, he said, bring only your best, your most perfect animals as sacrifices to me. But the, the problem was the people just did just the opposite. They looked at their animals that were the most worthless. It was, it was blind or diseased or crippled. Uh, they would bring those animals to God. And, and God's, God is saying here, you know, nothing less than our best is, is good enough for him. Nothing less than our best is acceptable to him. And although we don't worship God with, with animal sacrifices anymore, we, we don't worship him that way because Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus is the, the once for all final sacrifice for our sins. And instead of animal sacrifices, Romans 12.1 says to us as Christians, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, uh, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so although we'll, we don't go to a temple and bring animal sacrifices, God, God says to us as Christians, 
every day offer yourself as a living sacrifice. You know, what does that mean? That means every day give your life to God. Every day put God first. Every day serve God. Every day make Jesus the Lord of your life in, in everything you do. You know, hey, offer yourself to me every single day, the Lord is saying. And, and see your life as a, as a dedication to me. See your life as, as an offering to me. And that means we, we give God our very best, our time, our energy, our resources. And we can ultimately dedicate to God what's, what's most important to us. Uh, for many of us, that's our families, uh, for our, our jobs, our hobbies, our, our relationships. We give God what's most important to us. So we're, we're serving him through the things in our lives that are most important to us. And, and the theme that runs through this is, God's saying, give me your best. Don't give me second best. Don't give me your leftovers. You know, anything else other than your best is, is contemptible to me. And so what does it mean to give God less than our best today? You know, we give God less than our best if we, if we give God, if we give our jobs, our, our time, our energy, our, our talents, but then when it comes to, to serving God, we we just do as little as possible, or we choose to, to sit out on the sidelines. You know, we, we give God less than our best if we can spend hours, you know, surfing the internet or, or reading our favorite book, but then when it comes to spending time with God, you know, in His Word, we, we don't get around to it on a regular basis, or we just spend a, a couple moments in it, and we're distracted when we do that. You know, we give God less than our best if we can you know, spend hours messing around on our cell phones, but really not find time uh, to be with God, to pray to God, to, to just sit still and listen to God. We give God less than our best if we can, if we spend, you know, lots of money on stuff we enjoy, but then when it comes to giving to God, we, we give God our leftovers or give Him nothing at all. Nothing at all. And when it comes to worship, we we can give God less than our best if we just, you know, sit as spectators in worship rather than, you know, participate in worship. And by participating in worship, I mean we, we seek God in prayer. We, we praise Him in our songs. We, we listen to Him through the, the reading of God's Word and the preaching of God's Word. You know, we give God less than our best if we, you know, we give our energy to, to hobbies or to sports, but we don't have energy for God. And, and how many times have we you know, we watched our favorite football team, either in person or on TV. I watched, you know, OU score a uh, touchdown or OSU score a touchdown. And, you know, we're ready to leap off our couches in joy. But then when we come to worship our great God, we, we tend to be, you know, passive or, or distracted at times. And so, you know, God says here, uh, anything less than your best just isn't good enough for me. Don't, don't give me your leftovers. And so we, we, encourage, we encourage everyone to commit every area of their lives to God. We encourage everyone to celebrate and worship. We encourage everyone to, to give generously. And next we see that we, we honor God by giving generously to our place of worship. And for, for Christians, that's our church. And look at the, the second half of verse 8. Uh, God says here, in effect, don't give me less than you give your government. And for, for years... Uh, 
how I've been paid, I actually pay taxes quarterly rather than taxes coming out of a you know paycheck every week. You know, I write a I write a check quarterly to the IRS. I write a check quarterly to uh, to the state of Oklahoma. And every time I, I get out that checkbook and write write out those numbers and sign my name, it really makes me wince at saying this is how much our government demands of me. This is how much our state demands of me. And, and what do you think the IRS would, would say if I gave them a call and said, you know, I've, I've looked at your tax code. I looked at how much you're requiring of me this year, and I, I just don't want to do it. Uh, it's really stretching me this year, so I've decided I'm, I'm not going to do the real tax rate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you 2%. Will that be enough for you this year? Is that okay? I think the IRS would respond, you know, tax codes are laws. <laughs> tax codes are the standard. You have to do this. I think they might remind me that it's expensive to live in the United States of America because we live in the greatest country of the world. It's expensive to live here. And how does God respond to us when we give him less than our best? I believe God's saying here, you know, we don't stiff the government. Don't stiff me either. Be generous, God is telling us. Give generously of our time and our energy. Give generously of our, of our resources. You know, Malachi 3, verses 8 to 10, that's, that's one of the great passages on, on giving to God and giving to God at the standard of the tithe. And let me read these three verses to you, verses 8, 9, and 10 of Malachi 3. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? And remember the question and answer going on. Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? And God says, you're under a curse because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the storehouse is the place of worship. And then God says, test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that there'll be no room or not enough room to store it. And so God tells us here, if we're not giving generously to him, you're, we're robbing from him because what God gives us is ultimately his already. And he just says, tells us to give a, a portion back to him. And here in Malachi, the, the tithe is 10%. And the, the tithe is taught um, throughout the Old Testament, then the, the New Testament seems to just assume it. And Jesus affirms it. That, that's how, how I read the, the New Testament. And what, what God is saying here is, you know, test me by tithing. I don't know that there's any other passage in Scripture where God says, test me. He says, give to me generously, test me by tithing. I dare you, I double dog dare you. <laughs> test me, and God says, if, if you give in this way, I'm ready to give back to you. I'm ready to bless you more generously than you can imagine. Yeah, I was talking to one of my uh, chaplain friends this, this, this week, and uh, the person's from another denomination. As we were talking about, you know, giving, and I said, you know, I said as a Baptist pastor, as a Baptist chaplain, you know, I've always, you know, I've always, you know, had the practice of giving, you know, the minimum of 10%. And the person stepped back shocked and said, I can't imagine ever doing that. We couldn't do that. And my response is, yes, you can. <laughs> you, 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 you may not be required to do it, but I believe, you know, God requires me to do it. I believe God requires us to do it. And God has a way of, of blessing us in return when we step out in faith and, and give to him. Uh, well, one of the pe people I was working with uh, a few years back uh, said, you know, I haven't tithed in about 30 years. 
And he said, you know, my, my partner just won't allow it. She, she manages the finances, won't allow it. And I said, and we, we talked through this passage. I said, would you step out in faith? Would, would, you, would you test the Lord and see if he'd bless you? And, and Joe came back uh, uh, a week later and said, we're stepping out in faith. And she just got a raise. We're stepping out in faith, and one of the debts we're paying back, the, the interest rate was just greatly reduced, so we'll be able to pay it back much more quickly. And as he step out and stepped out in faith and tested the Lord and gave in obedience and gave what was generous and sacrificial, God began to bless them in ways they, they hadn't imagined before. And I've seen God do that again and again and again when we give generously to him. And next we see we, we honor God by giving him uh, what he demands. Uh, verses 9 and 10, uh, it says, Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands will he accept you. And then he says, Oh, that one of you should shut the temple doors in so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. Yeah, I'll accept no offerings from your hands. And you know, the, you know, this is a... You know, this is just a tough, tough passage here, but what, what God's saying here is if you're just going to go through the motions spiritually in your, in your walk with me, if you're just going to go through your motions spiritually in, in worship, he said, it, it's not worth it to me. He says, you've got to do more than go through the motions. You've got to give me the, the best of your listening ears. You've got to give me the best of your praise. You've got to give me the best of your generosity. You've got to g- give me the best of your, of your time and your resources. You've got to give me your very best. And this brings us to the, to the next big point. Uh, we honor God by revering his name. I really love verse 11. It's one of my favorite ones in, the, in, the pas- in this passage. And God says, my name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. And then the second half of verse 2, God says, For I'm a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name will be feared among the nations. We worship a great God. Jesus is our Lord, and we we revere the name of Jesus. We revere the name of God because God's name is great. You know, God's name is great because God is a great God. You know, God's name represents who God is as God. You know, we don't, when, when we think of, you know, naming our children or our own names, we don't typically think of the, you know, the meaning behind our names. You know, I was named Charles because my granddad was Charles, and my dad was Charles, and I ended up being Charles III, and I had no idea what, my, what Charles meant. And I, you know, as I studied in the name of Charles, it means manly. So you've got a manly man preaching to you today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I looked up, you know, the name, what does Connie's name mean? My wife, Connie. Connie's name means constant, dependable, reliable. And I said, that's my girl. You know, that's, that, that's, that's how, that's, that's who she is. You know, she's that constant, dependable, reliable person, always. 
But we, we don't usually think of that when we, when we name our kids. But, you know, the, the names in the Bible always meant something. So the, the name of God means something. You know, the, the, the Lord is the name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. You know, we, we sang about that, the God, the God who is I am, the God who, is, who has always existed in, in the past of eternity past and will always exist in eternity future. God, God's not with beginning or end. God, God is God. He's eternal. And when he, God says, I am, that's who he is. The name of Jesus um, is an important name. The, the, the name of Jesus literally means that the Lord saves, that Yahweh saves. And so Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. And so, you know, our God has a great name. Jesus has a great name. And so, uh, you know, four times in chapter one, God reminds us, I am a great God. You know, 20 times in Malachi, God's called the Lord Almighty, and God's trying to impress on us that I have a great name because I'm a great God. I'm an awesome God. You know, we've, we've watered down the, or kind of downsized and shrunk the, the meaning of awesome in our culture, I believe. You know, we, you know, we get a new iPhone, we say it's awesome. You know, we see a great movie, we say it's awesome. We, we get a we actually buy a new car and it's got that new car smell and all of a sudden that's awesome. And, and the, all these things can be good or even wonderful, but, but not awesome. Uh, do you want, want to know what awesome is? You know, Jesus is in a boat with his disciples during this horrific storm, great winds, great waves, and Jesus just stands up, raises his hands and says, be still. You know, the wind stops, the big waves turn into smooth water. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Jesus's friend, Lazarus, has died. He's in a grave for four days in hot desert Israel. You know, literally his body's decomposing in that grave. And then Jesus stands outside the grave. It's a tomb rather than a you know, grave in the ground like we usually do it. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And that decaying body's resuscitated and Lazarus comes out better than new. That's awesome. And we serve that kind of awesome God. Jesus is awesome. And God's name is great because we serve an awesome God. In the Ten Commandments, we're told that don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The newer translations don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. And we're Christians. We call ourselves by Christ's name, literally Christians, you know, followers of Christ. And so we represent Christ by the way we live. And so we want to live in such a way that we're, we're lifting up the name of Jesus. We're lifting up the name of Christ. And for somehow, for some reason in our culture, we only use the name of Jesus, the name of Christ, the name of God as a, as a curse word where religions outside of Christianity, that, that doesn't seem to happen. And I think why it happens is because we serve the only true and living God. I believe that's why it's happened, but it, it must never happen. Uh, we have a great God. We don't want to use the name of our God as a, as a curse word. You know, one, of, one of my grandmas, when she used to get upset, is like every time she ended a sentence, she was using Christ as an exclamation point. It's like she didn't even know it. She was just all angry, and it was just coming out again and again and again. And I, I kind of cringed when my grandma was talking that way. Uh, we, we don't want to use the name of Jesus. We don't want to use the name of Christ as a curse word. And, and as Christians, let's not tolerate people around us doing that. 
You know, guys, would you tolerate people speaking about your wife that way? <laughs> would you tolerate pe- people speaking about your kids or your parents that way? We, you know, we, we wouldn't. Uh, we can politely ask people, don't use the name of my Lord as a curse word. Uh, I, I enjoy movies, and I've, you know, I've watched all the Indiana Jones movies, and one of my favorite scenes is in the the third Indiana Jones movie, and Indiana Jones is you know, her- played by Harrison Ford. His dad's on this movie, played by Sean Connery, and you know, they're together face-to-face, face face, and Indiana Jones uses the name of Jesus Christ as a curse word, and immediately his father slaps him in the face. You know, they're both adults, one in their 40s, one in their 60s, and, and you, you're shocked. And he says, son, don't blaspheme. In other words, don't badmouth the name of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you went to a movie or watched a TV show and somebody was slapped in the face for using the name of our Lord as a curse word? It doesn't happen. But that's just, just a reminder that we serve a great God. You know, I love that scene when Sean Connery slaps Harrison's Ford's face. It's a reminder, Jesus is a great God. We, we hold his name in honor or we don't use his name at all. And it, it's a little reminder not to, not to pollute our minds with media that uses the name of Jesus as a curse word. And if we think on a positive sense... Uh, God has a great name. Jesus has a great name. And so we want to praise Jesus' great name and worship. We want, we want to hold up his name and worship. We, we as Christians, we pray in the name of Jesus. It seems in, in our culture, people allow, you know, they'll, they'll tolerate most prayers. But if you pray in the name of Jesus, all of a sudden it's not, not tolerated. It's not politically correct. But we, we pray in the name of Jesus because Jesus is our God and we serve a great God and Jesus is an awesome God with a great name. And so when we worship our great and awesome God, we, we can come and listen for his voice. He will speak. We'll come and praise his name and worship because he is great. We'll, we'll stand reverently because God has a great name. And in our final point, uh, we honor God by, by worshiping him with the right attitude. You know, I, don't, I know when our, our son was growing up, sometimes we, we kind of emphasize, you know, attitude's everything. It's not just what you say and do, but it's, you know, it's your attitude behind it. You can go through the motions with having a you know, kind of a terrible attitude. Um, and so what's the attitude when we worship God to honor God? Um, God talked to the people of Malachi here in verse 13 that they were going through the motions of worship with the attitude, it's just kind of a burden. We do it because we have to do it. We don't do it because we're totally in love with God and we're totally committed to God. And so as we, as we come and worship God, we, we, we can remind ourselves each time that, that worship is never about our preferences. Worship is always about God's glory. Huh? We can remind ourselves, even if we're singing a new song, we don't know you know, we don't complain about the music because we're praising God's glory. And, and we, we've got so many distractions in worship today. I, I don't see it happen here much, but I, you know, it, there's, there's always the distraction of, you know, reading the Bible on your phone, then messing around with your phone to do something else. I, you know, I had a, had a lady at one of the churches I was at. I said, I, I, I see you're reading scripture every week on your phone. She says, you know, you, you know, I do. But she says, I listen to your message, then I zone out for a while. I check my email, I look at Facebook, but I always come back to you toward the end. <laughs> Just to remember, you know, it's, it's, easy to be, it's easy to be distracted in worship. 
And why, why do we stand in worship? You know, we, we stand in worship because we, we worship a great God. And honestly, we stand here more than we stand at some churches. And, and that's good. I'm, 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 I'm good about that. You know, God is worthy of our, of our standing reverently. You know, if we, you know, we will stand to pledge allegiance to the flag and do that gladly and proudly because we, we honor our great nation. You know, we'll, we'll stand to, to sing our national anthem. I remember that, you know, the Super Bowl, the national anthem was so powerful this past year that I, I saw NFL coaches, you know, their tears were just streaming down their faces as they, as they, they honored our great country by, by singing the national anthem. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be an American and I love America. And I, and I'm thrilled when people have that kind of reverence for our country, uh, and so too, when we worship our God, you know, when we worship Jesus, we stand reverently because we want to we want to honor our great and awesome God. After church one Sunday, uh, on the way home, a mother said, "You know, the the music was just kind of awful this morning. I didn't like it." And the dad joined in, and said, "You know, the preaching was just way too long. I wish that preacher would have shut up." And then their seven year old daughter said. You know, Mom and Dad, it was a pretty good show for the five dollars you put in the offering plate. <laughs> yeah. At another church, uh, you know, a couple of guys ate lunch after church after they worshiped together, and 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 one guy said, "You know, I just didn't feel it today. The worship just wasn't doing it for me today. I just wasn't familiar with it today." And and his friend said, "You know, that's really okay." We weren't here for you. We were there for God. <laughs> we were there to lift up the name of Jesus and let, let's focus on him. And I believe what God's telling us throughout this great passage in Malachi is, I love you. I, I give my best to you. So I deserve your attention in worship and in life. I deserve your generous giving. I deserve your praise. I, I deserve your listening ears. And ultimately, we get out of worship what we put into worship. If we come expecting to meet with God, God meets with us. If we come expecting to hear a word from God, God has a way of speaking to us some way through a word of encouragement, through the sermon, through a song, <laughs> through a handshake or a hug. God, God has different ways of, of speaking to us and making himself real to us. But if we come expecting to meet with God, and God is here, he will meet with us. And, and, I, and I love the the promise in the book of James, God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God's here. He just wants us to embrace him and honor him and love him as he embraces us and, and loves us and cares for us. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for, uh, for just being our awesome God. Lord, I love you and I praise you, Lord. And, you know, we, we seek your forgiveness where at times we, we don't honor you. We're We've got something else on our mind, or we're busy, or we're tired, or um, focused on our on our worries or our hurries. God, just help us to to honor you in all we do. You know, in our in our in our daily life, at work, at home, at school, on the ball fields, Lord, and and when we come to to worship and serve you, Lord, help us to honor you in all we do. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
be familiar Treat it like it doesn't matter I don't want to lose the wonder of your presence I don't want to come entitled I want to run it like a child Caught up in the joy and wonder of your presence And I am coming back to first love Coming back to Jesus, coming back to you. No more going through the motions. You're my one devotion. I'm coming back to you. I can feel a world of difference Suddenly the room is shifting I'm finding it again The wonder of your presence I never want to leave communion Just want to be where you're moving Caught up in the joy and wonder of your presence back to first coming back to Jesus coming back to you going through the motions you're my one devotion I'm coming back to you coming back Coming back to Jesus, coming back to you. Going through the motions, you're my one devotion. I'm coming back to you. Nothing, nothing. Nothing matters more for all I need. Nothing matters more to me. Nothing, nothing, nothing matters more to me for all I need. Nothing matters more to me. Nothing, nothing, nothing matters more. Nothing, 